Welcome. This is the Life Habits Podcast series, and my name is Carl Vradenberg. This is the series that helps you to learn new habits to optimize your life in order to stay sane in this crazy world. This is episode number 37, and the topic for today is developing skills into habits. I'd like to first of all just express my apologies to all of you, the loyal listeners of this podcast series over time, as well as even new listeners as well, for the delay in getting you podcasts in the last while. It's been uh, a little over two months even that I've put out a episode for all of you. And I'd like to apologize for that. I'd also like to thank you all who wrote into me at the email address, as well as on Facebook, as well as on Twitter, expressing your desire for more episodes and in a variety of ways communicating your desire for that. And I'd like to just read three representative messages from you to... Uh, to illustrate the kinds of uh, ideas that actually really did motivate me to uh, also get you this episode and to start again regularly delivering these to you on a, a regular cadence. The first letter reads, Dear Carl, I love your podcast. I get very much from it. I'm just worried that you may not be making it anymore. It has been so long since there has been a new one. Please know that what you say makes a tremendous difference. I learn so much from you that I use in the real world. Thank you for all you do, and please keep on podcasting. Sincerely, Cindy. Thank you, Cindy, for that email. And another letter reads, Dear Carl, just to let you know that I'm always waiting for your new podcasts. I have great pleasure in listening to them, and to wish you a very happy new year for you and all of your loved ones. All the best, Christine. And the last one just goes by the initial M. M writes, I don't care if you post this or not, but I do care to know where your podcasts for November and December are. I just found you and like you and now nothing new. And then the smiley face. You can reply by email and it better be good! Exclamation mark. Signed M. And that's entirely an appropriate request too to have some explanation for the delay in getting you these. And we'll get to the topic for today's session in a minute. But I just did want to just explain a little of uh, what's been going on in the last uh, sort of couple of months. There are three real reasons for the delay in getting you these podcasts again on a regular basis. The first is that there were some server problems at the uh, company that hosts this podcast series, uh, Podbean. They actually had a server crash and essentially lost everything that was on the server. They did have a backup, but didn't have everything backed up. So there was some effort in getting everything back up on the server operational again. Uh, secondly, we had some technical difficulties recording a guest interview. Uh, as you know, I have a very occasionally guests on the podcast and uh, we had several attempts at recording a, a session and uh, the technical difficulties uh, just uh, needed to be resolved for a next week, etc. So that uh, led to some level of delay. And then thirdly, uh, I wanted to take a full break from everything. It turns out everything but Facebook for the overall holidays. And those of you who have listened to my various episodes 
talking about taking electronic holidays and totally disconnecting uh, will appreciate the, the need and the desire to do that and the value in doing that as well. Of course, all of those reasons really don't uh, matter that much in the sense that I really do appreciate the degree to which and the value that you glean from this series. And uh, I really do want to give you a regular cadence of delivery of these uh, podcasts uh, now that we're into a new year as well. And so you can rely on these coming out on a regular basis now. And again, apologies for the last while that uh, they weren't made available. Now let's get on to the topic for today. And the topic for today also came from a listener in terms of the suggestion. And as many of you know, at the end of each of these sessions, I request from all of you some uh, participation in the session, uh, both in just providing feedback on it, things that you like, things that you'd like to see improved, as well as suggestions for topics. So I received a email from James that... Uh, read, I discovered your podcast a few weeks ago and have been catching up on back episodes. I enjoy it very much and thank you for doing it. Per your request for ideas, perhaps a podcast on what it takes to actually ingrain a habit. I've heard it takes 21 days of repetition, 90 days, and probably some other figure too. There may be no exact number, but a discussion of the sorts of planning behavior modification, and time to ingrain period that habit changers should expect when actually changing or adding a habit might be useful. Just an idea, and thanks again, James. So thanks so much, James, for that email. Thanks, too, to the others that wrote in about the uh, delay in getting the podcast. I really do appreciate the two-way communication on this series as well. And James, it's a great idea in terms of addressing the overall theme of what it really takes to start with a skill that you spend, you know, some effort in deciding to have some action on, whether that's eliminating a particular task or a particular behavior, a bad habit, and then uh, developing a new one, or just purely developing a new habit and wanting it to stick. So we'll get into that topic. It's a great one. And I'd like to, as usual, just go through some insightful quotes on this broad topic. First of all, a quote from Aristotle, who writes, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act, but a habit. Susanna Miller writes, If animals play, this is because play is useful in the struggle for survival, because play practices and so perfects the skills needed in adult life. Malcolm Gladwell, in Outliers, his second-to-last book, quotes neurologist Daniel Levitin as follows, quote, in study after study of composers, basketball players, fiction writers, ice skaters, concert pianists, chess players, master criminals, this number comes up again and again. 10,000 hours is equivalent to roughly 3 hours a day, or 20 hours a week, of practice over 10 years. No one has yet found a case in which true world-class expertise was accomplished in less time. It seems that it takes the brain this long to assimilate all that it needs to know to achieve 
true mastery. So there's some quotes on a range, actually, of the ideas that we'll be talking about today from uh, developing habits through to actually getting to a level of mastery over them as well. Now, there's a number of factors that influence the time it takes to develop habits, to convert skills into habit. And we've talked for a long time on this podcast series about the notion that really need to practice and carry out over time a particular activity to really get it ingrained. But as James pointed out, not really ever address the question of how long that may actually take. And as his letter also suggested, there isn't a simple answer, but there are some, you know, trends, some factors to consider in really understanding this topic. So it's hard to come up with a single metric, but we should just talk a little about the parameters around how long it may take and also some estimates of the time that it may take as well to develop a skill into a habit. The first and the, really the primary way to differentiate is really on the complexity of the skill or behavior that we're talking about. If we talk first about simple and repetitive tasks, these uh, require a time frame of approximately three to six weeks to condition. And again, there's wide ranges in these numbers. This comes from a number of different studies, a variety of different things that are all about trying to estimate the average time that it may take to convert a skill into a habit. But in this case, uh, the simple sorts of tasks uh, typically take between three to six weeks to condition. And that's the case for situations where you're trying to rid yourself of a, a bad habit or, uh, in fact, to develop a new one. So it applies to, to both. I just want to give you an example of this as well. You know, when you walk into your home, you automatically reach for a light switch. And let's say the light switch is on the right side as you enter. This was a good example that I found on the internet. Then you move into a new home where the light switch is located on the left side as you enter. You'll find that it takes about 21 days to stop reaching for that light switch on the right side. It also takes about that long for your new house to feel like home or for other skills to start to feel natural. And this is again in the case where we're talking about instances of fairly simple behaviors or skills. Another example might be if your child sucks his or her thumb. It's a very common problem and you want them to break that habit. If you tell them that you'll give them a prize... If they don't suck their thumb, for example, for a period of, let's say, a month, then that time frame is the right one for a fairly simple task like that or behavior to be uh, removed, to essentially get rid of that skill or that particular uh, behavior. Now, I actually did do that particular example with my kids, each of the four of them actually over time, where we basically stated that um, 
if they didn't uh, suck their thumb for, and the period of time was a month, entirely, not one one time. And if they did uh, do it, then they had to start the clock over again. But if they did that, then they could have a prize that turns out they could choose. So it could be virtually anything. And so the motivation was really, really high. And in each case, it really did succeed because it took the necessary time to completely get out of the habit and then be able to maintain that over time. Now, if you take to contrast that, a complex kind of behavior or habit, you know, kicking a more complex habit or developing a new one may be a little harder. And the estimates here are that it may take three to six months sort of rather than weeks, or in some cases even longer to condition. Now, this category includes habits that are deeply ingrained so these are like bad habits that are deeply ingrained. And often these also involve an addictive element. These might include, you know, lack of exercise, overeating, smoking, overuse of alcohol, and the like. In the case of these sorts of intransigent behaviors, you also have to often work that much harder and longer to undo the years of doing that behavior in that particular way. You know, we're often impatient to see results in changing a behavior. But when we realize that, and there's lots of examples of this in a variety of the sources I looked at for this podcast episode topic, a number of people talk about the whole notion that when you think of, you know, a baseball player uh, learning how to play well and how to swing the bat. You know, the first time they walk up to the plate with this piece of wood, you don't expect to be able to hit a home run. You expect to have to develop that skill over time and practice and practice and practice. So for more complex behaviors, whether you're developing a new behavior like that one that I just described or even more so the getting rid of a habit that you may have had for years, a bad habit. It just takes some more time to learn, to get out of the routine, practiced way of carrying out, for example, a bad habit. And that can take some more time. But the overall estimate still is in that range for more complicated behaviors, something in the neighborhood of three to six months. Now, there's often, as I said a few minutes ago, some level of addiction or addictive element. And however mild that may be, you have to also change your physiology as a result to remove the biological dependency you've developed. And so in these cases too, you need to essentially uh, remove that biological dependency to flush really your body of all of those interactions in terms of your biology and your chemistry, and that too takes some more time to achieve. So we've got simple habits to develop, which can take three to six weeks, more complex habits, and often ones that are more physiological, taking from three to six months or even longer to develop. And then You've got this other category, which I'll call mastery. And this really is a level of accomplishment of carrying out a habit or a really well-practiced skill. 
that is at the level of being able to carry it out in and at world-class levels of mastery. And this, again, came from this quote that's often now talked about since Malcolm Gladwell's book Outliers came out, talking about this 10,000 hours that it takes to get to complete mastery. You should see this as the overall outside estimate of the time it may take for you to develop a particular skill into a really well-practiced habit. So we have everything from, you know, three weeks as the earliest time it would take to develop a simple habit right through to these 10,000 hours across a lifetime to develop something to the highest level of mastery. So wide range, but uh, one that I think more accurately conveys the range of time it may take based on the kind of uh, skill we're talking about. Now, it's also important to point out that these are time frames, these are estimates, these are averages, and that, as this line goes, your mileage may vary. So everybody's an individual. You obviously need to look at these as guidelines And I want to suggest that you not take them too seriously, though, because of the fact that there's individual differences. And also, I don't want you to feel disappointed if you don't accomplish a change in your behavior in these kinds of time frames. You should use these estimates where they make sense. So, for example, when I describe the situation with my kids of setting a time frame for them stopping sucking their thumb, for example... You know, that was useful to set it as a time frame to set up a goal and a reward that made sense that used these time frames as a guideline. So the month really helped for that kind of activity. On the other hand, there are situations where you you could get into where you expect a behavior to change in now these time frames and find yourself not having accomplished it in that time frame a particularly intransigent behavior, for example, and you could find yourself getting really down and uh, losing hope and losing that optimism and actually changing it. And I don't want you to use these ranges of estimates in that way at all. So realize there's individual differences. Now, what does it take to optimize or increase the likelihood that you'll really be able to achieve the goals and objectives you've set for yourself with regard to behavior change of developing skills into habits. I'd like to go through a top 10 list today to go through some of the ideas that could, like I say, optimize the likelihood of you achieving your goals. Number one is to assess the type of skill that you're dealing with and the kind of objective that you have with regard to the development of that behavior or skill. So think about it from the point of view of, is it a simple sort of behavior like the ones that I talked about? Or is it more complex? Is it more intransigent? Have you had it for a longer time? Is there a biological component to it? Do you want to get it to a level of mastery? All of that needs to be taken into account when you set up some level of expectation of what it might take you to really get to condition it to the level where it is in fact a repeatable habit. And the definition of that, by the way, the skill to a habit, you'll know when you have a true habit, when you're carrying out the, whatever the activity is, 
sort of without thinking about it, that it's automatic, that you're not even tempted anymore, really, to do the other. If it was, a, if you removed a bad habit, let's say, and developed a new one, it's to the point where it's um, it's completely switched in your mind from whatever you did before to the new way of doing it, and um, and you're not looking back. You know, an example uh, that I, uh, just a very simple one, it's a very example of, of one of these simple ones. I wanted to switch from uh, having sugar in my coffee on a regular basis to not having sugar in it, just for health reasons. And uh, it was converted over, I just stopped cold turkey, so to, so to speak, and just didn't put any sugar in my uh, coffee anymore. And at first it just tasted dreadful. You know, and uh, and that was the case for a while. But it was in that case about three weeks of doing that sort of every day for all the coffees, and typically have two to three coffees a day, and not having any sugar in it. And when sort of a month you know rolled around, I ordered a coffee, and it came with sugar in it, and I thought that tasted dreadful. Uh, it was like, oh man, this is tastes like syrup, and that was an indication of a a true conversion of uh, a particular way of doing something to another. And uh, having completely done the switch, you know, within you know the three to four weeks, and and actually having the evidence of how firmly that was actually switched over to actually having the repulsion this time round or having the, uh, the coffee with the sugar in it. So that's this notion of setting up an expectation, the time frame that you can expect, but very importantly, getting a handle on the kind of complexity of the, of the, uh, the topic that we're dealing with. Number two is to use the time frame guidelines that I've given you if they're helpful, like the one that I said about the thumb sucking. If it doesn't make a lot of sense to really use timelines because they'll actually be counterproductive in the sense that you may get demotivated, then don't worry about that. <laughs> don't use them. Uh, if on the other hand, it's useful to set yourself some level of goals, you may even want to, uh, you know, be uh, public about those goals. If you think that would help, then, uh, then use these guidelines, but do give it a bit of thought as to, and you might even think of your own personality. Are you more likely to be the person that would get down on yourself for not having accomplished what you wanted to accomplish in the time frames that I've just laid out for you here in terms of estimates, then don't use these. On the other hand, if you're really the kind of person that really would be pumped by having some level of, you know, goal and a time frame for that goal and having it fairly reasonably based on some level of data uh, from a variety of sources, then by all means, you know, use these, uh, these estimates and these guidelines. Number three, is to repeat the behavior in the same setting or environment. If you're wanting to change a certain type of behavior, you've got to keep all other variables the same so that you can focus on only that one thing. Don't do too many things at once is the other aspect of this. If you try to change too many things at once, you're taking on way too much and you're overloading the resolve, the focus that you have in trying to really make these changes. And it makes an awful lot more sense to choose one behavior that you're going to change, keep everything else, you know, the same with just a bit of an exception, which I'll get into next, which is number four. 
You want to avoid the cues that lead to, if it's an undesired behavior you're trying to get away from, you want to avoid those cues. If it's, you know, uh, watching what you eat, get rid of the uh, visual reinforcements and the cues that often lead you to eat, like having uh, certain types of food in your refrigerator. You know, if you want to stay away from, you know, really fattening foods or desserts or, or candies or whatever, just don't have them, at least for this uh, period of time that we're talking about here, the range of time that it takes to develop that skill. You know, keep them away. It'll make it easier to get over that early time frame for going from skills to habits. And conversely, if you're trying to develop a, an improved uh, and new behavior, you can add cues to your environment to increase the likelihood and also provide a reminder of what you were wanting to accomplish. You can often use very simple things that others may not know about. Uh, I've used, for example, a, uh, an elastic band around my wrist as my reminder of uh, wanting to do something in particular and or avoid something else. Just that feel of a bit of tension around my, you don't want to do it too tight, but uh, the tension around my wrist that others don't necessarily notice. But it's my reminder that that's what I wanted to remember. And uh, interestingly, you can also use a, an elastic band if you, you know, want to stop certain desires uh, for doing certain types of undesirable behaviors by actually just uh, flicking that uh, elastic band as well on your uh, wrist to sort of punish your, your even your thought uh, about doing the, uh, the bad behavior. But I mostly uh, use that and I'd suggest that you have a, it can be entirely a personal thing. You might want to, you know, if you wear a watch, wear it on the other wrist. So you just have a subtle cue to remind you that you're trying to focus on a particular, uh, particular behavior. And again, it's really useful to just make this personal so that uh, you can remind yourself. Number five is don't just remove a bad habit and then just leave an empty hole. In fact, if you're going to remove a bad habit, replace it with a good one. And again, this is, I said earlier that not to take on too many things at once, you know, you don't want to change too many things, but in this case, it really is useful to basically replace so you're not uh, having this uh, this this lack of an activity let's say if you're wanting to eliminate one that you think is undesirable replace it with a pot of one and that'll not only be an instance of something where it'll be um, more positive in the sense that you'll uh, you'll actually be developing habits that are good for you uh, it also just has the the effect of filling that hole of of uh, simply remind removing rather the bad habit number six very importantly is to increase your motivation now you first need to really be honest with yourself about how important this is for you to change now this is particularly the case as well for those of you who may have had a problem that is particularly intransigent a really tough problem that you may have tried to change in the past may have other activities and other behaviors that we're successful at changing, but there may be like one or two that just is really tough. You've been at this before. You've had the failures 
of uh, dealing with it in the past. Well, this is one of those cases where you want to really sit back and not just launch another effort to increase your, you know, exercise, let's say, if that's what it is, or, or stopping, you know, limiting your, your eating or stopping to smoke uh, or what, any of the other activities that I've talked about in this overall series, even the things that are not as challenging in terms of um, undesirable behaviors, but even some, some of the development, developing new ones that I've talked about, everything from being more positive to uh, ones that deal with being more effective interpersonally, all of those. So the full range of all the kinds of behaviors. You may find that there's one or two uh, of removing bad behaviors or developing new ones that you're just having a really hard time with. One of the things that you really, I think, need to do, though, is do the stepping back and saying, how motivated am I really? Obviously, there's motivation and there's reward around the, let's say, the bad behavior that you're engaged in now. You're getting a certain amount of reinforcement from that. You also find yourself doing that behavior and not necessarily the desired one. Don't spend too much time on this, but do spend a little bit of time where you step back and say, now, why is that? Am I really motivated to change this behavior? Because maybe you're not. You know, maybe that's just a socially sanctioned one. Maybe it's just your family that makes comments about it or whatever. And you don't really, in your heart of hearts, you're not really motivated to change it. You think you should, but, you know, you don't really in your heart of hearts. This is one of those times where you really make this a personal exercise where you determine, do you really want to change this? And if you do, how badly do you want to? Get that resolve. Even write that down so you'll really be able to come back to this and say, now this is why I wanted to do this. It may be, let's say, getting healthier. It may be, you know, getting more exercise. Rather than necessarily thinking of it, let's say, in a, you know, doing it to, to look better, you may want to do a little bit more soul searching and realize that deep down inside, you really want to do that because you want to be healthy. You want to live a long time. You also want to be there for your family, you know, for your, if you have them, your kids. Think about it in that way. So you can think about all the reasons why you want to make the change that you want to make. And like I say, write those down because when you get to situations where you're having difficulty sticking to what you want to do to change this behavior, you want to remind yourself what the reasons were when you're so tempted to go back to the old behavior. Related to that, you also may want to introduce some effective rewards. I've talked before about setting yourself reasonable expectations, reasonable mini goals to achieve in your overall path to achieving your end goal. Think about how much you need to reinforce yourself to get to that end goal. What kinds of intermediate kinds of mini goals can you set up for yourself that then you can reward yourself with in order to keep the momentum to get through this period of developing the new habit to eliminate the old habit. Whether it's a simple task and you need to be doing that through that roughly three to six week period, or whether it's a more intransigent one and that you need to be getting yourself through a 
three to six month sort of period, or in some cases even longer, you got to get yourself through that period in developing this new habit. I often talk about if you're not in good physical shape and you start to exercise, you get a lot of punishment. You get a lot of negative experience from it. Let's say you go running, you know, the first day you come back, you know, later that day you've got sore legs and maybe the next day you're feeling quite dreadful. You know, the next time you do that activity, you can have a little bit less of that, but it's still hard work. It's still getting yourself out there doing this activity. And you know what? It's not enjoyable at all. You got make it a little bit more enjoyable. You can put on your music, put on your iPod, your iPhone, or whatever the MP3 player a delivery mechanism that you use. You also could be listening to this, this particular podcast series to keep up the motivation, make everything a little bit more enjoyable. But the reality is that there won't be any intrinsic rewards meaning you're not going to start getting any feedback from your body that that running is truly enjoyable until you get through this overall, let's call it training period. Let's say for the first six months, you know, the first six months, it's going to be a hard slog to get yourself out there, you know, running or on the treadmill. During that period, it's not going to be fun. So you got to do everything to get yourself through that and still stick to it. You're going to lose some weight. You're going to start to tone up your muscles. You're going to start to feel better and better. And as I've said in one or two podcasts in the past, when I first did that many years ago when I was running, I got to the point where I really got into really good shape and running started to become rewarding in itself. I would run, you know, in one or several instances, one in particular that I can think of, that I finished my 10K run and felt so pumped and felt so good and didn't even feel winded at all and went and did a second one. Now, when you get to that level, you've now developed it into a habit. This is now automatic. This is self-rewarding. This is not an instance where you've just got to drag yourself out to do it. But in order to get to that self-rewarding sort of stage, you got to get through these weeks and months of training, if you will, to get you to that point. And in order to effectively get there, you got to be motivated. You got to keep these reminders as to why you want to do this in the first place. And you want to give yourself appropriate rewards. And ideally, not just one at the right at the end, although if you're dealing with a simple habit for just a few weeks, that may be appropriate, like the example that I gave earlier. But for more tough ones, you might want to set up intervening sub goals and, and rewards for that and make sure those rewards really are worth it to you. Number seven is be consistent, but don't worry about occasional lapses. And this is important. Again, the research here suggests that people that do really focus on doing something routinely, regularly, are the most successful. Does it mean, what about ones that lapse? Well, if you only lapse sort of once, but you get right back into it again, then you stay on course and you can be successful. If, on the other hand, you let that lapse in your focus on developing this new habit. You use that as evidence for, see, I really can't do this. Oh, and then you get completely out of it entirely. You have all kinds of time that passes and, or you, if it's you know, regarding eating, you go binge eating and, and the like. 
you know, that's going to get you off the overall path that you're on. If that happens once, fine. Happens a couple of times even in a overall series of, you know, weeks and months. That's fine too. It's just once you really get yourself out of the routine entirely, so you're not going right back in and doing uh, doing things the way that you wanted to to develop the habit. If you don't do that, you're going to lose it. You're going to have way too long laps between. You're not going to have that training effect. You're not going to have the momentum toward the goal. So you've got to really keep focus on the repetition. You got to keep focused on doing the activity every single time the way that you really want to. And if you do have lapses, get right back in there afterwards again and continue to develop in the right direction. Number eight is to solicit the help of trusted friends, family, and or support groups. And the key word here is trusted. You don't want to just be openly talking about whatever it is that you want to change with people perhaps that may be negative to your accomplishing that goal. You want to make sure though that if you find and have friends and family that are supportive of whatever it is that you want to accomplish, get get them involved in it. They'll help you with it. You got to be cognizant too that at times they may not be <laughs> and you then need to sort of back off and you know separate yourself from any sort of negative uh, aspects of that. But often on balance that can be a positive thing getting friends and family involved and supportive if they're not and even if they are it's also important to seek out support groups and depending on what it is that you would like to change there may well be groups of people who are like-minded that are trying to do the same thing you know in uh, weight loss uh, Weight Watchers is, for example, a really well-organized effort that um, if it's appropriate and you feel good about it, it can be very beneficial to have others around that help you stay motivated, help you, you know, discuss challenges that may be able to be addressed uh, with the ideas that others uh, have. Uh, We're often social beings as human beings, and support groups can really help. Number nine is to assess your progress regularly. Now, don't get really so focused on this, you know, that you're going to be obsessed with it. But you do want to just sort of check on progress and think about the objective you really have, the real goals you have of having completely made the change and see how you're progressing toward it. Like I say, don't get completely, you know, obsessed with it, but do get a sense of how you're doing, and as I said earlier, where appropriate, use some level of rewards to recognize and celebrate when you've achieved particular milestones toward particularly challenging goals. Number 10 is to determine if certain problems are really beyond you dealing with it yourself, and that it may be appropriate to seek out professional help purposely talk here about a very wide range of topics in this overall series. There are numbers of instances when I've pointed out that the type of problem, many problems, can be dealt with in the ways that we're talking about it here, where I just give you some advice. You can also get uh, help and advice from friends and family and sport groups and the like, and a variety of other sources, because it's really the type of behavior 
and the vast majority of behaviors are in the overall realm of being able to make a change by you working on it yourself. But there are instances when a particular problem is just too tough to deal with on your own and that there are in fact professionals around that really are specially trained, have particular methods and techniques, and in certain cases, even uh, you know medications and procedures, medical procedures to, to address. So without getting uh, very specific about any of this, do recognize that you don't need to, and in certain cases, you shouldn't take on any of these kinds of efforts without the appropriate guidance of you know, professionals. So if you're doing anything physically, if you're going to enter into a new exercise program, even before you start that, you should be checking with your doctor to make sure that everything is fine to do that. But it's also the case that if you get to a particular problem that you've tried many times to fix, and you've also in our exercise, say, let's say we start now on a particular set of topics that you set up for yourself, let's say for this year, And you're finding that, you know, I've done the three to six months, let's say, with regard to a a tough problem. And, you know, with all the top 10 things that I just described, you did that diligently, you really worked on it, but you're still not finding that it's working for you. You know, that's really the time also to think, well, maybe it's time to get professional help for this as well. So don't just always assume that you need to be able to do everything yourself. Many things you can. And that's really the beauty of our ability to get a resolve as human beings, to set a plan in place, to go through the kinds of things that I've talked about today to really go about changing what it is that we want to change. We have amazing power in ourselves. You are a truly unique human being, every single one of you, to be able to make amazing changes in your life all by yourself. But there are also times when it's not only to not only appropriate to seek out the help and guidance of others that may be lay people, but there may also be instances where you want to seek out professional help as well. Now that's the top 10 list and the overall topic of getting from a skill into a habit. I hope those are useful to you. As I always say, I like to ask for you to provide any feedback you may have on this, how well it works for you, any suggestions you have for additional topics and any feedback at all. And you can do that by writing to the email address of lifehabits at gmail.com. You can also go to lifehabits.net on the web to provide any uh, feedback there and want to just uh, mention there's uh, two bits of feedback that uh, were left there. Uh, One is by Jeremy who says, this collection has been very helpful. Thank you. The audio collection has been really good too. Uh, Rob says, thanks for the great collection of useful quotes. I've just bookmarked this page. So wanted to remind you too that you don't need to be writing down these top 10 lists or the quotes that I go through. I do make those available in a tab on the website of uh, lifehabits.net. So you can go directly there and uh, look at any of the episodes that I've done and find the quotes and the top 10 lists there as well. So thanks, Jeremy and Rob, for your comments with regard to that. And if you 
uh, are listening to this on the we- that website, I want to just also remind you that you can subscribe, and that's probably the best way to do this, and make sure that you are still subscribed too. I think that uh, systems like iTunes and the Zunes, the Zune Marketplace may actually uh, unsubscribe you if uh, there hasn't been an episode in a while. So given the fact that there has been some delay since the last episode, you want to make sure that you're still subscribed in iTunes or the Zune Marketplace or wherever you get this uh, podcast. And if you aren't aware of that, you can go to either of those places and just search for Life Habits and you'll find this podcast and you'll be able to click on the subscribe link. And of course, there's an opportunity there too to provide a rating and some comments as well. So again, apologies for the delay in getting you episodes. I do plan on having these available on a regular basis again. And thanks to everyone who's contacted me in the last while to express your appreciation for the podcast and your desire for other episodes. Don't worry, I will continue to do this uh, podcast series. I do very much enjoy doing it for you as well. So thanks so much. Hope this is helpful from today and we'll talk to you all next time and bye for now.